This is Olga Kirschenbaum with nine minutes of Creative Wisdom Podcast, where creatives share their wisdom. It is six questions in nine minutes because creatives have a short attention span. So let's get to it. In a few sentences, tell me who you are and what you do. Hi, I am Paul Campbell. Thank you for having me, Olga. It's great to be here. Um, I set up a company called Tito for selling tickets online. And of course, there aren't too many events happening right now. We're right in the middle of the pandemic, many months longer than we thought it would be. And so my business was extremely impacted. We lost about 90% of our revenue overnight. And over the summer, we decided to build a new tool for hosting online experiences called Vito. And so I've been busy working at that and more or less shifting from a sustainable, profitable business mindset to, I guess, a startup mindset. But it has been a lot of fun over the summer. Sounds exciting. So what is your favorite part about being a creative leader? Yeah, this is a really good question. I love sweating details. And I have mm. found that my, about myself that I, I'm a sort of, there's an antithesis because I have a very messy mind. I, I don't make straight connections in my mind, but um, everything sort of goes this way, that way, and I can get easily distracted. But once I settle on something that I, I'm passionate about, like the, the positioning of an item on the screen or whether we should do something this way or that way, I can really, really sweat the details. And it is extremely empowering to be in leadership with that level of creative, like sweating the details, because I sort of know that I can, I need to concede obviously to the people I work with because mm. the team is more important than the individual, but it's extremely empowering to know that if I, if I need to sweat something that I care really, really a lot about that I have final say. And that's, that's the, the piece that empowers and fulfills me. Beautiful. So I speak to a lot of creatives who avoid the money side of business. They'll pretty much do anything to avoid it. Tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, this, I love this question. <laughs> so with Tito, we almost took pleasure. We, we started, our first line of code was 2011. For the first couple of years, I almost took this perverse pleasure in telling people how much money we were processing on behalf of other people and how we were getting paid nothing to do that. <laughs> we processed over 1 million euros, possibly more, and we did not charge any one of our customers a single dollar. And I almost, I had a slide in a presentation that I, I would show to people that almost celebrated this fact. I am now ashamed of that slide. And I have come to see money as a creative force. I think Walt Disney has a wonderful quote about money that we make money. Uh, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> it's that we basically, that we, we make money to have creative control. Mm. And um, with Vito, our first revenue was, I think day 41 line of code from the first line of code to charging somebody to use the product was 41 days. And I'm extremely proud of that fact. Um, I think money is, is, it, it is, it gives you the ability to express yourself creatively and it's a tool in order to do that. And with money, you can do things like experiment and you can do things like not worry about sort of things, survival, I suppose. 
and really, really go to town. And on the other hand, it, it creates a, using money can be used as a tool to create urgency as well, which is, I think it's really embarrassing. So there's this great balance that um, so many tools can be used well and can be used poorly. And if you look at money as a tool and learn the skill of spending, managing money, I have not learned all of these skills, <laughs> wielding, wielding it effectively, money can be one of the great creative tools for making problems go away or for solving problems in, in big ways rather than small ways or methodical ways rather than haphazard ways. I love that. That's really beautiful. Thinking of money as a tool and um, like any other tool, it can be used for good or for bad. And it's really up to you to figure out what you want to do with it. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I, I, that, that when, when that kind of thought struck me first, it, it really helped me come to terms with the shame of money because mm. it's, it's, there's no shame to, there's, no, there's nothing that, like it's an objective thing. It's just, it's just a thing. Like there's, you can never put a value on work. It's just impossible. It, it, it's never going to happen. So if you, it, it, it can, money makes things objective. And if you address it objectively, um, then, then it, 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 it's, it's very powerful. Um, of course, society teaches some of us to treat money as a very emotive thing or something that, to, that diminishes our worth. And um, I learned to reject that. Um, I and, love that. Yeah. So I, it, money, it's just a thing. <laughs> and it's not just a thing. Like it's also important to be aware that, that society teaches f folks to be very self-conscious about money. And also if you don't have it, like when you don't have money, it's, it's, it's a very, very awful feeling. Um, so yeah, there's, it's it, part of learning to wield the tool I think is, is, is respecting money and respecting mm. how it can affect people. Um, and like I, I'm sitting beside a, 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 like it's even like a musical instrument. Like you can wield a musical instrument to make people feel sad or to make people feel happy or to make people or to, and, and money is the same thing. It's really important to recognize the responsibility that you have using money as a tool or talking about it indeed. I love that. Super powerful. Now, who are the creatives that you admire or have inspired you on your journey? Yeah, th this is really tricky. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, re I don't really know if I have a really good answer for that. And part of that is because of the Black Lives Matter movement that really came to the fore this la this over the past summer. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and these issues, as I have learned, have been around for hundreds of years, and and it has given me newfound respect of any creative person of color who has worked mm. against systemic oppression to produce great creative work. Um, like I mentioned, Walt Disney, he's a huge um, inspiration of mine. And if you look at the, the small minded Disney cohort that led to the likes of Steve Jobs and then the Silicon Valley thing and that little small group of rich and powerful white American men, it's very easy to draw inspiration um, from them and they have their rags to riches stories, but really they, the society was set them up for success. So uh, I've taken to following folks on Twitter who don't look like me and who aren't white and who aren't men. And, um, 
and at the whole, I haven't, I haven't quite settled on who, who on a single name, but I think, I think creative people who can be creative against a backdrop where their very existence is in question by society. Those are the kinds of people who are giving me the most inspiration right now. I love that. Very powerful. So what is the one piece of wisdom or advice that other creatives should know? Yeah. So this is also related a little bit to my, my previous answer. Um, we've worked hard with a black woman from Atlanta called Kim Creighton over the past, coming up on two years in the company to learn about issues like anti-racism and to try and figure out what the responsibility of a creative organization is to the people it employs and to introspect our relationship to the outside world. And one of the principles that she teaches us, and it's an interesting principle because it's also a conclusion of a philosopher, political philosopher called John Rawls, who teaches in his theory of justice more or less underscores the modern kind of justice system, at least in principle, definitely not in practice. And he, 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 hypothesizes this thing called the veil of ignorance, whereby imagine you and I were trying to come up with a justice system that was fair, but we didn't know if we were going to, we, we had to kind of disembody ourselves while we came up mm. with this system. And we didn't know whether we were going to come back to the world poor or rich. And so if you have that chance of coming back as the most marginalized in society, would you want a justice system that favored rich people? Probably not. And so I'm sort of coming to believe, and I, I do want to do more reading around the consequences of it, but I'm coming to believe in this principle of prioritizing the most vulnerable folks in our work leads to a better situation, a better world, a better, better products for everybody. So the one piece of wisdom, that's what I've learned, prioritize the most vulnerable and you will probably make things better for everybody. I love that. I think this is one of the most inspiring pieces of wisdom we've had on the show so far. Thank you. Cool. It's, yeah, it's, I'm just channeling other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're all doing. Right. So now the most important question of the podcast, <laughs> Kakaya Vasha Libima Musica, or in English, what's your favorite music? Very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with my teenage favorite. I, I, I have a, a four-year-old and I put on an album for him that was my first real CD. I'm going to continue the Disney theme. My first album was absolutely Disney. And most of the music I listen to these days is Disney music because I have kids. <laughs> but... I put on an album for him. It's called K and it's by a band called Kula Shaker. And it was set, it was set up by Crispian Mills, who was Haley Mills' daughter and John Mills' grandson. And he went off to India and he got inspired a little bit like uh, George Harrison. I mean, I love the Beatles. I could have said the Beatles. It would have been easy. <laughs> but K was the first real album I bought. And I put it on for my four-year-old the other day. And when the first song came on, I haven't listened to this album in so long. 
I knew every beat. I knew every chord. I knew every nuanced way that he sings the song. I knew every little lick and riff. And it just made me feel, it just made me feel young and in the world. And oh, it was glorious. And right now I would say that was my, has been my, my favorite music experience. Certainly of recent memory was listening to Hey Dude by Kula Shaker from the album K. Beautiful. I'm going to put it on after we're done recording. <laughs> all I have is all I need enough for love, but not for creature. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul, for being on. What it's is a the, real pleasure. What is the best way for the listeners to connect with you? I'm on Twitter. I'm at Paul CA on Twitter. Um, and yeah, it's if you want to contact me, reach out there. Um, my DMs are open and I'm free and liberal with my email address if there's something you want to connect with. Um, of course, you can check out my products, Tito and Vito. Tito's at ti.to and Vito's at vi.to. Awesome. And I will include all of that in the show notes. Thank you. And thank you so much for this. It was really, really great. Great to have you on. This is Olga Kirschenbaum with nine minutes of Creative Wisdom Podcast, where creatives share their wisdom. Make sure you check out my blog at bragstorichesconsulting.com to get money insights you haven't heard before.